0: million dollars ending homelessness is tough tough work it's not for the faint of heart but our investments are building a movement and building our capacity to improve the lives of our unhoused neighbors since 2013 the number of city funded outreach workers has grown by 1,000 percent from just 11 to more than 120 people today we helped 8,000 additional people this past year get into shelters and hotels through Project Roomkey. And this year we're going to give an additional 1,200 vouchers to help people find homes. Proposition HHH got a second wind and beat the hype. It's now set to come in at an average of $15,000 per unit cheaper for 1,000 units more than originally promised two years ahead of schedule. Next, we have to start setting our post HHH goals as Councilmember Member De Leon and the City Council are already considering and get state and federal partners to match our ambition. To our partners, we recognize your efforts, and we challenge you. Meet this moment and match us. Specifically, California's big city mayors and cities are calling on our state to invest $16 billion of its surplus in housing and services for California cities over the next four years, on our way to a permanent source of state funding, as I and Councilmember Ridley Thomas have been advocating. And I'm calling on our federal government to declare a national right to housing and to fully fund Section 8 Housing Choice Vouchers and help make homelessness a thing of the past in America. We know the key to ending homelessness is homes. Let's rent them. Let's buy them. Let's build them brand new. A reimagined city, a resilient city, a just city must have room for us all and we have to be able to get around that city too. We need more transit and we need it everywhere. We need more walkable and bikeable communities, the kinds we have enjoyed so much during this pandemic. Better transportation means healthier communities, safer streets and shorter commutes. Thanks to Measure M, the biggest local transportation initiative in North American history times two, we're building out 15 transit lines, including the soon to open Crenshaw LAX line to get us to the airport, and the regional connector transit project to sweep us through downtown the new transit line is set to break ground in the east san fernando valley and planning is moving ahead for the Sepulveda pass while the first phase of the wilshire subway extension is nearly 70 percent complete while we're building the metro system of tomorrow though we need to improve the system of today that's why we will restore full bus service in september one year ahead of schedule and why along with council Member Bonin we're building on a free transit movement in Los Angeles. Starting with students this fall and eventually reaching 70% more of our riders by the beginning of January, low income Angelenos will ride Metro for free, helping accelerate our recovery for our most vulnerable and cutting traffic and emissions across LA. And transit is just one dimension of LA's infrastructure revolution. From port to power lines to pavement, we're building more than we have in a half a century. You see, infrastructure done right, it turns the wealth of a people into the backbone of our common good. And when it addresses the inequities of community underdevelopment, infrastructure investment empowers and protects our neighborhoods and our people. Our airport, it's ready to take off again this year, buoyed by a nearly $15 billion construction program, the nation's largest. We've built or renovated 10 terminals and concourses each one as big as a medium-sized airport and we are finally building a people mover to get you to the gates without a car and tonight i'm announcing that we are going to propose a brand new concourse zero terminal nine and a new state-of-the-art cargo facility together we will keep out airport traffic in our neighborhoods and keep up with a surge in demand for travel and shipping after decades of neglect our water and power investments are making our system more reliable and more resilient. Our boldest initiative is appropriately enough called Operation Next. It's an $8 billion investment to recycle and distribute water for LA, including a massive build-out of our Hyperion treatment plant. Today, recycled water only accounts for 2% of our water, but Operation Next will increase that to 35% by 2035. And the finished project, it will produce three times more water than the LA Aqueduct delivers, ensuring a dependable clean water supply for our city for decades to come. Together, these infrastructure investments are creating more than a million new jobs for our city. And we are making sure that they address racial inequity, focusing job training initiatives along with our unions and community colleges in neighborhoods where Angelenos of color and low-income residents live. That's the foundation for a prosperous LA. But the most important infrastructure is where those power lines lead, where roads and rails deliver us at the end of the day. That infrastructure is home, a resilient, just community that we can call our own. Justice means investing in community infrastructure, and our community starts with our youth. For LA's youth, this budget has a lot in store. If you felt disconnected from school and work and your city, go online after this speech, to lamayor.org slash summer 2021 to learn about Earn, Learn, Play. Earn, Learn, Play is a one-stop shop where you'll find endless opportunities to work, study, and have fun near you. Built in partnership with the LA County Office of Education and Superintendent deb Eduardo with the Mayor's Fund for Los Angeles, we're going to keep adding more opportunities each week as summer approaches. And you all know how passionate I am about summer youth jobs. When I became mayor we had opportunities for just 5,000 young Angelinos to earn their first paycheck and to expand their dreams. Since then we've more than quadrupled that number. But this year in this budget I'm introducing an even stronger investment in our youth with a new year-round Angelino Corps, committing 5 million dollars to fund 400 students for a year of service to their city in areas that are critical to our LA comeback. If you join the Angelino Corps You'll support community-based health and environmental justice programs, work as a tutor or arts educator, directly help immigrant Angelenos, or you'll use technology to erase the digital divide. Many young Angelenos have even younger siblings who have struggled with distance learning and need to catch up. And just as home health care programs are beginning to recognize that a lot of family care work should be paid labor, our new student-to-student success pilot will pay 1,000 young Angelenos to tutor their brothers. And sisters, (laughs) this city may be a mess right now, but we're going to clean it up and we need your help. So we're funding a clean L.A. jobs plan for hundreds of young people to help us clean up L.A. and find a pathway to a full-time career. You heard me, hundreds of young Angelenos together with unhoused Angelenos getting paid to clean up our beautiful city this summer. And for 505 Dreamers in the Los Angeles Community College District who commit to service in COVID recovery, we're going to pay your DACA fees. That's right. We're going to pay for your DACA fees with an assist from the Mayor's Fund and the Foundation for Los Angeles Community Colleges. Not to mention building on the longtime advocacy of Councilmember Gil Cedillo. Our Justice Fund is coming back in this budget with a $1 million commitment, ensuring that immigrants and their families can stay together while they defend their rights in federal court so that we can build a Los Angeles that includes everyone. Imagine with me a city hall that helps every child in Los Angeles find the ladder to their dreams well within their reach. Today, our local efforts sprawl across 26 departments without a unified vision. It's time to bring them together and empower our young people. In partnership with Councilmember Monica Rodriguez, this justice budget creates a youth development department to coordinate youth programs and to convene a youth strategy citywide. Young Angelinos, we want you to count on your city and we want you to know your city is counting on you. Justice doesn't stop with empowering our youth. Young people are parts of families and they grow up, start families of their own. So in partnership with council president Martinez, I'm also proud to announce that this budget funds the city's first community investment for families department. This department will strengthen our family source system, expand our investments in domestic violence intervention, and make it easier for families to access the resources that they need from childcare to legal assistance, mental health services to financial counseling. Finally we will fund a new standalone housing department, enabling us to redouble our focus on bringing and keeping more Angelinos home. So in just two years, we will have added new agencies for youth, families, and housing, as well as for civil rights and for our climate. We are setting the standard on how government can and must confront the most urgent crises in front of us. There is perhaps no greater crisis in America than our poverty crisis we must end America's addiction to poverty, an addiction that costs us tens of billions of dollars a year in lost productivity, criminal justice costs, and unequal health outcomes. This pandemic has shined a light on the consequences of being poor in America, but also pointed to what happens when the federal government provides cash assistance to poor Americans. At the beginning of this pandemic, child poverty dropped 20% nationally, And the American Rescue Plan could cut it in half. The reason for this, it isn't complicated. It's something that I and other local leaders have been shouting to the rafters. When you give money to people who are poor, it creates better outcomes. It covers childcare. It puts food on the table. It leads to more high school graduations and better checkups. During the pandemic, I came together with 11 other mayors to found mayors for a guaranteed income. Today, we're 43 mayors strong, and we've seen already the evidence of its success in cities like Stockton. When L.A. gets involved with a transformational issue, we don't just follow, we lead. So today, I'm proud to announce that this year, Los Angeles will launch the largest guaranteed basic income pilot of any city in America. We have budgeted $24 million to provide $1,000 a month to 2,000 households, For an entire year, no questions asked, wherever poverty lives in our city. And thanks to the leadership of Councilmember Curran Price, who's been joined by Councilmember Marquise Harris-Dawson and others, these funds will grow to more than $30 million in direct help to begin to tear away at poverty in our city and to show this nation a way to fulfill Dr. King's call for a basic income once and for all. We're betting that one small but steady investment for Angelino households will pay large dividends for health and stability across our city and more importantly light a fire across our nation. Strengthening our youth, our families and our communities, it's not an additional option or some sort of elective class. It's central to the creation of a just and resilient city of the future. It's part of creating a city that is safer, freer from fear. We have lived for far too long in an America... That we have been listening to Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti in his
1: annual State of the City Address. Here are some of the headlines that we just learned. Mayor Garcetti says he will introduce the biggest city budget that he's ever presented. He said that job one is to end the pandemic, budgeting $75 million for vaccines, testing, and PPE. The mayor also pitched what he calls a justice budget, to close racial, social, and economic gaps across the city. And the mayor says his plan will invest nearly a billion dollars toward ending L.A.'s homeless crisis. NBC4's Robert Kavasik will have much more coming up at 6 o'clock, and we will continue streaming The Mayor's Address live right now on our website, NBCLA.com. Colleen?
2: the news right here right now police need your help identifying this burglar right here over the weekend he broke into a store in murrieta owned by a college student as nbc4's tony shin explains that student opened the store in part to help people struggling during the pandemic
3: aubrey dumas opened essentials wholesale store in murrieta back in august after coming home from her northern california college because of the pandemic i
4: put all my life into this and I'm still going to school full-time
3: online profits from the store are helping pay her tuition
4: I used all my savings to open up the store
3: Aubrey is 21 years old and studying to be a social worker so she can help the less fortunate that's why it's no surprise her store caters to people who don't have a lot of money
4: we have things that people may need and it might be a little harder for them to get right now with the pandemic and a lot of people don't have jobs at the moment
3: early saturday morning aubrey's surveillance video recorded a man breaking into her store who appears to be wearing a fedora hat she says the burglar had tools to remove the glass from the front door and also cut through the security gate the suspect even brought his own garbage can
4: for whatever reason the alarm didn't go off
3: The video shows the burglar inside the store for nearly two hours carrying items out the front door, including boxes of diapers.
4: He was very strategic in what he grabbed, so we believe that he's been in before.
3: Aubrey says she lost thousands of dollars worth of merchandise, plus at least $200 in cash it makes
4: me angry because I you know I opened up to help with my to pay for my schooling and I also opened up to help people that can't afford to buy things at
3: full price which is why she's hoping someone will recognize the burglar I would hate
4: for this to happen to other people it's devastating when you're still trying to get on your feet
3: right now Marietta police investigators are trying to identify the suspect if you have any information about him please give them a call Tony Shen, NBC4 News.
1: Today marks 28 years since the deadly siege of the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas. On February 28, 1993, federal agents raided the compound looking for the group's spiritual leader, David Koresh, who federal agents believed was stockpiling weapons. A deadly gunfight broke out, which led to a 51-day standoff. It ended on April the 19th, That's when FBI agents used tear gas in an attempt to force Koresh and his followers into surrendering. But it didn't work. Because of the ammunition stored inside, the compound was engulfed in flames, and 76 men, women, and children were killed, including David Koresh.
2: A gate at Fort Hood, named and dedicated to the memory of Specialist Vanessa Guillen. The uh, gate was unveiled near the 3rd Cavalry Regiment today. That's where she served. Family and friends were there to see it. Specialist Guillen disappeared from Fort Hood nearly a year ago. She was found dead in late June of last year.
4: It means a lot that they did this memorial today to remember her. And not only to remember her as someone that was murdered, but someone who was a daughter, a sister, a friend.
2: The man believed to have killed Guillen, Specialist Aaron David Robinson, took his own life the day after she was
1: found. The Senate will be voting on Wednesday on a bill that aims to combat a rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans. We are here because there has been a terrible and deeply troubling uptick in anti-Asian hate crimes here in New York and across America. And we are saying no more. Speaking this morning in New York City's Koreatown, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that this will be the strongest anti-asian hate crime legislation ever. He was joined by Congresswoman Grace Ming, who co-sponsored legislation in the House that would create a dedicated appointed position within the Department of Justice to exclusively prosecute Asian anti-Asian hate crimes.
2: They are back. Firefighting sheep, that's what we're calling them, once again grazing in Nevada. These 700 ewes and 1,000 lambs are helping to prevent possible forest fires in Carson City. The uh, sheep have been eating the grass since 2006 to help reduce vegetation that
4: could fuel the fires. Basically just reducing the amount of plants and fuel that is gonna be left on the landscape to dry out and be uh, a fire risk come um, wildfire season later in the summer. Rather clever
2: here, the sheep are expected to remove up to 80% of the annual grass production in the area.
1: Let's take a live look right now at Malibu from a camera that's high atop the hills of Santa Monica as we go over to Melissa McGee now with her first alert forecast. Melissa.
5: Hi there Chuck and today on this Monday temperatures once again well above average even for our coastal communities right now Long Beach we're coming in at 80 degrees LAX a little cool in at 66 but 85 in Santa Clarita earlier today we had high temperatures in the lower 90s in the Inland Empire even for some of the locations closer to the basin as well. Things will be cooling down as early as tomorrow. Satellite and radar showing you we've got an area of low pressure out in the Pacific. This will sag to the south as we get into our Tuesday, then park itself across areas in Nevada and also California. What this will do, will increase that onshore flow. We've got a coastal eddy that's going to kick up as well. So the low clouds and fog are back as we get into tomorrow morning and also cool us down. So you can see the temperature trend hour by hour looking at Riverside, 88 degrees. In fact, we had highs today in the lower 9 for Riverside, but tomorrow you can see... We'll be maxing out at around 80 degrees. In addition to the cooler air coming, you can see low clouds and fog along the coast early Tuesday morning, so something to keep in mind for your ride into work. Then as we get into Wednesday, you can see we've got some light rain and drizzle along the way, so some changes are up ahead. Here's your forecast for the basin in Orange County. 72 tomorrow. Drizzle likely as we get into Wednesday, even Thursday. Same thing for our coastal communities Wednesday and Thursday. Those are the days to watch. You can see 76 for the valleys. We've got 82 for the IE, but Wednesday and Thursday we're tracking that shot of some precipitation, then cooler conditions up ahead as we get into the rest of this week here. For the high desert in at 84, the low desert in at 94, we'll start to cool down Wednesday and Thursday. More significant chance of precip as we get into Monday of next week because, remember, we still do have a moderate to severe drought conditions across California, so much needed with that. In the near term, we've got sunshine for the mountains, 64 and 56 as we get into Wednesday. Meteorologist Anthony Giannis has more on our week ahead. It's all coming up with your weather. Next at 6.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Carolyn Johnson. Also coming up tonight at 6, the mayor of L.A. unveils a $1 billion plan to clean up our city's homeless problem. We're live with new details and his controversial plan to give people $1,000 a month, no strings attached. Plus a new victory for the team at NASA JPL, today's historic flight on Mars, and what's next for the helicopter program on the red planet Also, Southern California businesses are boarding up the preparations for protests and possible unrest ahead of a verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial.